Dear Father, first I just want to thank you for the songs and for all the the messages of these songs tonight. Thank you, God. I want to thank you for every one of these young people that have shared tonight. Father, I want to thank you for the message that you have brought through difficulty this week. I want to thank you for every prayer. I want to thank you for the rebukes I've received. I want to thank you for the sleepless nights. I want to thank you, God, that uh, you are Lord and there is no one but you tonight. And Father, I pray that you would just take this word as we offer it up and it would bring conviction in every heart and as we have been smitten, it would also in one way or another, speak to every soul. Father, you know we've closed the door several times this week on this message. You know, our flesh has not wanted to preach this. And I pray, O oh God, that you would strengthen us and give us the proper words and the anointing of the Holy Spirit tonight to declare your truth in purity and in a beautiful balance that only you can make, Lord, because we are so inadequate. And we want to give you the glory before we begin because we know you are able and your spirit is completely sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening to all of you. It's good to be here. It's good to hear you singing. It's good to worship together. We want to invite you to open your Bibles with us to a section of Scripture in the book of Acts chapter 1. And I am going to read just a few verses and we want the Holy Spirit to have free course here tonight. We do not want the enemy to have any course in this building. But as we begin, we're going to look at this ver- one of these er- the earliest step, the last message of Jesus before he was caught up into heaven. And we're going to sense the, the message that was ringing on the ears of the early Christian church when they watched him leave. Beginning in verse 6 it says, And they therefore, they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. And when, they had be, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him 
out of their sight. The title that God has given us tonight in this message is a question. Will you come back to Jerusalem with me? I'm asking every one of you that have been here throughout the week, I'm asking the visitors tonight, will you come back to Jerusalem with me. This is where this took place in the context. They were gathered around in Jerusalem. They were watching the Lord speak His last words. He ascends up into heaven. The message was there. Jerusalem was right very close. Outside of Jerusalem was Judea, just a few miles. But Jesus said, first you'll go to Jerusalem. Then He said, after that, you will go on to Judea. And then He says, you're going to go on to Samaria. And then you'll move on to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Acts records this marvelous, marvelous, majestic work of God. As the Word of God spread like a fire, the Gospel became so powerful The people's lives were touched everywhere it went. You leave here tonight, all of you students, and you are going back to Jerusalem. I ask you a question this evening. What is Jerusalem to you? What does Jerusalem mean to you? To Brother Willie, Jerusalem means to go back to the Caterpillar manufacturing place and pour his heart in there. Even though as a brother and as we worked with him, he felt the call of God to go to China. And God took him back to the Caterpillar place. And I asked him Wednesday night, Willie, how are you, what are you sensing? And Willie says, I don't know. And I ask you this evening, could Willie stay in Lafayette, Indiana his entire life, shining the floors, polishing the equipment, glowing for Jesus, and be right where God wants him? Maybe you've heard the story of Back to Jerusalem and how that began with three house churches they got a passion, and you'll find this, that is swept through China. They developed a passion that they felt as if they knew the gospel began in Jerusalem, and they carried with them a flaming torch that by the grace of God, before they're done in their life, they'll take the gospel back to Jerusalem. And that has swept the Christian church as I have went from house church to house church in China, and I have listened and we have visited again and again. I, I sense this passion to bless Israel. And it goes back somewhat to the very early seed stages of bringing the Gospel to Jerusalem. I want to tell you about a woman who gave her life to Christ over 30 years ago in China. 
She was a feeble woman with very poor health. We're going to call her Sister Lee. She lived in a village where hardly no one believed. And yet she was so alive for the Lord Jesus. He had touched her heart so much, she could not refrain. Everywhere Sister Lee went, people's lives were changed. And this weak, poor health woman began to change the province. And the authorities brought her up again and again and they questioned her. And then they beat her. And then they imprisoned her. And she would go back in love and kindness to her little Jerusalem village. And the Word of God just spread like fire. And finally the day came, the authorities had a plan. They knew there was one prison in China where the blackest, darkest, most sinful woman existed And they knew of not one believer that lived in that prison. And they said, we'll take Sister Lee and we will put her in that prison and it will destroy her faith. And Sister Lee's Jerusalem changed as they picked her up and now her Jerusalem became the darkest woman prison in China. And she was so overwhelmed because she knew even the moral decadence was so bad that she stood up in a tower one night and she wept as she looked out over the group and she prayed that God would one way or another bring something in which He would bring a fire in that prison. And then they said, we'll give her the toughest job we can. They told Sister Lee, you will go out and you will clean the floors of the prison cells of all these dark women. It will be your job to go from prison to prison cell to prison cell and clean those floors. And Sister Lee came before the Lord and she asked for one thing, and that was grace, to get by in one hour of sleep a night. So when she would get done scrubbing these floors and gleaming them as shiny as she could make them and as brilliant as she could make them, she would have enough grace and strength to go back to her cell and find little pieces of paper she had picked up all day and write one verse on there and another verse on there and she would put them all over her clothing, inside her clothing. And the next day when she went to those prison cells and she was in those cells, you know what happened? She just happened to drop one piece of paper and it had a verse. And she dropped another piece of paper at the next prison cell and she dropped another and a fire swept that prison in three years and in three years the whole prison had turned to Christ this had become her her Jerusalem the authorities said we've got to get her out and they drug her out this is how the revival of China has really happened just like this and they drug Sister Lee out of the prison and she cried and wept. And standing along a fence, lying 900, and I believe in 96 or 7 of those inmates. And those women stood there like you did tonight and sang hymns to God and praises. As that woman turned to the authorities and said, I can't leave though. This is my church. And her family stood a little ways away from her that night. And she did not want to go, and she bowed and prayed for hours right outside that that prison house. And the women stood there and prayed and wept because their heart had been so moved because someone 
was willing to shine the floors gleaming and glowing in Jerusalem where God had placed her. I want us to notice this verse here. For those of you who've got your Bibles, the Word of God says here, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What I am talking about tonight, you cannot do without the power of the Holy Ghost. But what I am speaking about tonight, and I speak this to those of you that may have struggled the deepest this week, you can do it through Jesus' sake. But I'm asking you tonight, where is your Jerusalem? Where is it? I hesitate to say where your Jerusalem is. I can tell you some that Willie's got a Jerusalem back there in Lafayette right now. Some of you have got a Jerusalem just to go back to your homes and bless your parents. Many of you young men have a Jerusalem to go back on that job and pour your heart in it unto the Lord. Some of you here have got a Jerusalem to go back to the first fruits that we have neglected and to confess before God and to ask God to cleanse us and bring us back to Him. You see what has happened often as we shoot over the top of Jerusalem. We run towards Samaria. We run towards Judea. We even run to the uttermost parts of the earth. And as we say this like we did Wednesday night, some of you will move on. But I will guarantee you through the Word of God as we look tonight, if you are not faithful in Jerusalem, you will have no message in Samaria. There will be nothing out there without a commitment in Jerusalem that you will give your heart completely to whatever God calls you to, no matter what the cost. What we want to do tonight for a little bit is we're going to take, do a little exercise. You've been reading the Bibles a lot and we're going to take some time because the Word of God has got to speak to me. Debbie would be my witness in God how this door closed and I said, I will not go here. But I also tell you that by the time this is, we've reached this point tonight, the Word of God is just cut and sliced and cut and sliced and broken. And I'm here tonight because I need this message. And what I want to do tonight is I want to take a little time and the Word of God is going to hurt somewhere. And I want you to know, though, that the very God that allows the Word of God to hurt, it's going to hurt some of the parents, too. Because I'll tell you, I think sometimes Jerusalem is one of the most forgotten, neglected parts of the great ministry that the Lord Jesus is calling us to. Oh, there's Samaria. There's Judea. There's the other most parts of the earth. But where's the Jerusalem in this church? Tonight, let's turn in our Bibles over to Nehemiah chapter 1. The question we have tonight is, will you go back to Jerusalem with me? It's going to look different than my Jerusalem. Matter of fact, you're probably going to see this tonight. We couldn't come here this week because Jerusalem beckoned in a way that I reached the point of recognizing that I could not truly be a biblical steward of God's resources and neglect some things this week for the entire week. And that was a struggle for days and weeks before we called Brother Pete one day to say, 
But I'm also telling you that God has a Jerusalem for every one of you. He has a place where He has planted you. He has a place that you are called to blossom and grow. Right now, that looks kind of boring. It looks kind of mundane. It looks a little bit like nothing really happens at Jerusalem. But God's calling you there. What does it look like? Let's look at how it looked for Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah, here's the call of God. Notice what it says, verse 3. And they said unto me, Nehemiah, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. This is over in Jerusalem, Nehemiah. The remnants are in reproach. How does Jerusalem look to you tonight? The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates are ever burned with fire. Is it possible that in our Jerusalem, the wall of the gate is broken is down, and the gate is burned with fire? Are the people in captivity? Jesus, as He went up, He said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come to go back to Jerusalem. Stay here. Plant. Teach. Preach. Be faithful. Shine the floor. Bless the employer. Honor your parents. Speak well of other people. Love your brothers that are hard to love. Love the neighbor we heard you sing about like yourself. The Word of God says in the next verse, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. Nehemiah felt what was going on. He knew that's what happened. The city was desolate. There was no walls that worked there any longer. And the Word of God says, and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was so smitten with what the condition was in Jerusalem that this man was broken. But the Word of God says he reached a place that he said, we're going to rise and build. And you know the story. Nehemiah built with adversity. There was Sanballat and Tobiah that, that seemed to counter every single thing he did. And there were even the nobles that put their, not their hand to the work. They weren't going to touch the stuff of Jerusalem. And I will propose to you, when you go to Jerusalem, there will always be nobles, and there will always be Sanballat and Tobias. But there's another group of people that just rings with me in the book of Nehemiah. It says, the people had a mind to work. Every week is different for us. I would never want to predict what a week is like, but this, time, this week, and some of you are here tonight, 
three young men that have deep roots in this fellowship looked at me with a passion and burning in their heart and said, John, we want to learn. We need to be taught. But if brothers your age are not willing to teach, how will we ever learn? And I ask us tonight, brothers and sisters, older brothers, younger brothers, where is your Jerusalem? What is God calling you back to tonight? Let's turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, as the Word continues to speak to all of our hearts here tonight. Will you come back? To Jerusalem with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. The writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, You've just got a little bit of time. All you've got is a little blink. You know what happens to men my age? We fought the we feel like we fought enough battles. You know my one of my last phone calls on the way over here was from the president of a chemical company company that poured his heart out to me and says, John, I don't know whether I can take any more fights like I'm in right now. I've been there too. You men have too. But I'm calling you tonight, everyone by the Spirit of God, to let the Holy Spirit speak to you to say, are you willing to go back to Jerusalem and pay the price? I could not tell you, you know this, most of you, we've preached in China many times. I could not tell you how many times it has flashed in my mind, Lord, you can take me to China, you can put me in a prison, and I'll preach there until I die. But not this. And Nehemiah says, we're going to go back and we're going to build. The walls are down. The gates are burned with fire. Sand ballots waiting to consume us. But we're going to go there. And I'm calling you men here tonight, are you willing to go with me back to Jerusalem? I apologize to you men in one way. And I say this before me like probably the rest of these brothers can do it. I don't think, oh, as you've seen a good example. One of those men, I looked at him and he does not even believe. And I said, I'm not sure. And I ask your forgiveness. You've truly seen a true example of biblical stewardship. And I ask your forgiveness. Back to Jerusalem. What does it look like to you? One thing is that uh, it looks a lot different for different ones of us. I'll just tell you one of my overwhelming things this week is that uh, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to spend. I probably spend 20 to 30 hours a week in solid communication with other people. And I don't know how to do it. It's too big. I can't satisfy everybody. But I know this, that the Holy Spirit, working in every one of your lives, if you're willing to join us, can take us back to Jerusalem, and God can do mighty things.
But you've got to be willing to go back. And you've got to be willing to pay the price. Some of you men here will, could go way beyond Jerusalem someday. God could take you to Samaria. He could take you to Judea. Some of you, we have Brother Jordan, who could take you all the way to China. But I still call us here tonight that if we are not willing, truly willing, to stay in Jerusalem and follow the Lord there, I don't expect God to bless the work in Samaria. The Word of God says in Luke, He that is faithful in the least, I will make faithful in much. I ask you, brothers and sisters and friends, young people, are you faithful with what God's given you right now? He that is unjust and least, I will make unjust and much. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. The Word of God, as it speaks to, spoken to my heart, I'm simply sharing. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth. Is there any building decaying tonight in Jerusalem? By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through the idleness of the hands, the house drops through. Any houses coming down? Any buildings decaying? The Bible calls it slothfulness. Is it in Jerusalem? Is it in my city? Is it in my home? Is it on my job? Wednesday night when we left, here's what we did. Outside here on Interstate 90, we listened to a long, long, long voice message from Brother Martin Holsinger. And he says, I know you're at the Bible school, but I need to share my heart. I know what has happened. He said, down here at the Christian bookstore where I worked, he says, all of a sudden, it's not enough, but all of a sudden I began to see how there could be some guest houses built over the top of this, and it could provide some income and maybe some help. John, you know how I've been hit with the call to a ministry in the marketplace. Because you see, about two years ago, Martin sat for about ten weeks and he listened to a missionary tell the story that just astounded him. And the story went on and on and on, but this was the crux of it. No marketplace ministry, no message. No marketplace ministry, no message. No marketplace ministry, no message. And when we got to Thailand, this dear brother sat just astounded. And he said, I've heard that before, but I never got it. This man said, I've been all over Europe. I've been all over the world. But if there isn't a marketplace ministry, you'll look a long time for there to be a message. You'll receive power, the Word of God says, after the Holy Ghost comes. Some of us get pretty excited before the Holy Ghost comes. You know, I, I believe tonight many of us have given our hearts to the Lord. There's a few of you who haven't. You need to think about it tonight. Because you can't do this without the Lord God from heaven working in your life. But I think sometimes we're ready to run 
But we're not, we do not have the message. We're like Ahimaaz. We run and we run and we run to the king. But when we get there, we tell him the wrong message. You've been taught the message this weekend. But I will guarantee you that that message will ring and reverberate when the floors that you are working on are shining to the glory of God. You know, Malachi asked one of the most penetrating questions in the entire Bible. Will a man rob God? Will he? Will it? Is it possible for a man to rob God? We say, yeah. Now what if the Holy Spirit tonight said, every one of you have robbed me. You've robbed me. You chose something different than what I called you to do. Is it possible that we can rob God by my agenda? Now Malachi affirms that, and he says, through the Holy Spirit, you've robbed me. How did we rob you? We robbed you in tithes and offerings. Bring all the tithes and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great that there will not even be room enough to receive it, and I will even rebuke the mouth of the devourer. Is it possible that we could rob God by jumping over the top of Jerusalem? Oh, you sung a song tonight, and I want to tell you, you choir, it took me back to some, a time that we stood on holy ground in, in, in China when 400 people were sitting out there that had never been in a church, and a choir about that size stood up here, and my wife and I sat there, and I thought, oh, and they were young people, a little bit younger than you, and I thought, oh, God. But I want to share this with you. I never thought I'd ever do that. That's not the calling of most of us, and I may never again. Our calling is to be faithful where God calls us and to pour our heart in it with all of our inadequacies and deficiencies and problems. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. We want to look at this here too. Ephesians chapter 4. If you notice, uh, we are still thinking about the question that Malachi asked if a man would rob, uh, will a man rob God? And let's look at 428. It says, Let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor. I want us to notice the, the exchange for stealing. Is he saying that you've robbed God by not laboring like I've called you to, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Notice something else about laboring. It is not to stop with us. It goes beyond us. It goes through us. The purpose of the blessing of God is to bless others. It's to share with others. But the Word of God says, if you've stolen, 
Don't steal anymore. What would you do for the kingdom of heaven if God called you? And I think there's a sense that we all go, Lord, you can count me in. But can he? Now this is for you young men. It's over now. You know one of the hardest words an employee ever said to me? He walked in to tell me about another employee and he says, you know what? He said if he, he is not a believer, but if he ever, ever thinks about Christ, the last church he would join would be the German Baptist Church because of their work ethic. I want to tell you the other side of the story. That brother years later wrote me a letter after the Holy Spirit convicted his heart. He was a brother and asked forgiveness. And he said, I want to ask, I want forgiveness. But I don't know whether the other guy is a believer or not today. I just want to share with you that... Uh, You've got so many ministries out there in the marketplace when you take these hands and do the very best you can with what God's given you. It's going to take a while. You're going to feel left out and rejected and overlooked. I can remember the time driving an old 47 Willie's Jeep. I was ashamed for anyone to see me going down the road. It was a junk of a truck. Tonight I drive home a great big brand new Kenworth over here 35 years later that's been left here by Brother Morris tonight. But the principle's still the same. We lose our heart for servanthood. We lose our message. It's gone. It's over. It doesn't matter how many, quote, how many times we can quote Second Timothy. It's over. First Thessalonians chapter two verse nine. First Thessalonians chapter two verse nine. I want us to see something about the Apostle Paul. He was so sensitive here. He was someone that just was so keen on sensitivity that the word of God was not hindered. But he says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for, labor, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Paul is saying, You know what I did? I made the choice to work all day and all night because I didn't want to be chargeable. You know, Lamentations says it like this one time. It says, It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. You know, there's something in Genesis. You've read it. You've heard it. The Word of God says that I bring all of us into this, but to you men especially tonight. You know, the Lord, when that curse came upon Adam, you remember the, the renunciation of that curse and what it was? From the sweat of your brow, you'll eat bread but you will keep and dress the vineyard, but you will eat bread with the sweat of your brow. Now I'm going to tell you this lurking thought that lurks in me too. I'll beat it. 
It's a lie. You won't. I didn't beat it Monday night. This opens up the real world I live in. Ten days before comes an email that says, you will be by your telephone at your office at 06 o'clock Tuesday morning. We want to discuss several things at length with you in a conference call. Monday night, nothing else is said. The man that calls regular did not call. His name is Dave. We're good friends. Nothing was said. You know what Monday night was like? Well, I can tell you, devotions began about a quarter to four. There was no reason to keep trying to lay in that bed and flip and flop and toss and pray. And the questions I asked God, is there something I've said? Is there something someone else said? God, take away my agenda. It never was mine. It will never be mine. But tonight again, God, in this bed, it's back to you. And I got in my little car, and I drove the 15 minutes to the office, and got there about 5.30, and exactly at 6 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. And it was Dave, good friend. He says, John, you're there, aren't you? Yes, I'm there. He says, the men that were going to join me, the man that was going to join me in this conference call took off to Israel, but I think we can handle it. I just wanted to spend time with you. I spend time with your son a lot now. But I've had a desire to spend time with you. I want to ask you if there's anything in my job that I could do to improve at all. This is my boss. Anything. Have I been fair to you? Have I taken you for anything, anywhere? Is there anything you could, I could be fair and do, do to, to better? Dave, it's been a blessing. It's been a stretch. It's one of the reasons I couldn't come here. But it's been good. Well, it's been good for me too. I've loved working with your people. But I feel like if I'm not vulnerable to you, I can't be a blessing to you. 6.45, Dave says, you know, John, I think I'm done except one thing. I want to talk to you about the Lord for a while. He goes, I want to talk to you about, you've known my problem with gambling, how God convicted me. I was to be accountable to you. And I've shared that I struggled with just a little bit of gambling. And you knew that. And you knew that just a few weeks ago, by the grace of God, I renounced gambling and I walked away. Now you've got to hear what's happened. The door on the enemy has shut. I say that only under the strength of God. The enemy has been kept out of the gate. I have felt the peace and the presence of the Lord. I have felt His power. I have felt His might. Thanks for praying. Thanks for the emails. Could I lay on you young men that Christian witnessing is largely about building quality, godly relationships with others? You'll get a chance to scatter a seed here or there. But the calling of your life when you go back to Jerusalem is pour your heart and bless 
your employer, your boss, your worker, whoever you're with. Don't speak a bad word about them. I'm asking you tonight if you'll come back to Jerusalem with me. I'm going to ask you to hold me accountable because I've got to go back. Debbie would be my witness that it's been overwhelming because, like I said, it seems like, God, which one do I take? Can I work any more hours? Can I do any more sometimes? The nature of what I have in decisions sometimes just takes me laying in a chair for a while and just praying, to be frank. But will you come back to Jerusalem with me, and you sisters too? Will you come to the place that you can find contentment in Jesus and wherever God places you, no matter what it is, and like that dear sister Lee in China, keep shining the floors to the glory of God? The Word of God says you'll receive the power when the Holy Ghost comes, and you can be the witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the uttermost parts of the earth. Second Thessalonians 3.10. Got another one. We're just kind of, the word of these are the verses that just kept roaring at me through the last few days when I kept closing the door. Here's a tough one. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work neither should he eat. Let's read that again. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, if any would not work, neither should he eat. Working and eating is back at Jerusalem. You heard this from Brother Roman a couple days ago. The eight-hour workday, the five-day week, the six-day week, what would happen if God wouldn't have worked the sixth day? Where would we be tonight? But I would, I'm going to propose to you that working is going to stretch you tremendously. I think we bought a lie. A lie we can just kind of pick up work and toss it aside, and I think it's the lie of the devil. I think it's the lie of the host of darkness. And we can pick it up today and forget it tomorrow and someone else will pick up the tab and everything else and I think we're playing, a, playing with fire. The Word of God is still true. If you're not willing to work, get hungry because you shouldn't be eating. Now we're talking some to the men but we're also talking to you sisters tonight too. We're talking to everyone that's here. I believe God is calling us back to Jerusalem. I believe as a larger church he's calling us back. It's like a great pendulum that shifts and swings. And all of a sudden, let's just take this group we're in and all of a sudden we recognize the commission is always true. So let's go. And the Word of God says you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you and you'll be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 
You know, it's been really easy for me to say, well, that, yeah, I know, but look, at that's, that's speaking about spiritual provision. That's speaking about men of God being spiritual leaders. And it is. But I'll tell you what, men of God, the Word of God, you are called to provide and bring the bread home to your families. You are called to be the breadwinner. You are called to come back there after a tough day and you flop down. And I can think of many, many times as a young man, and many of you can too, where we had worship and devotion as a family and I'd pray out, God, I don't even know how to leave tonight. I'm so tired. But the Word of God says it. If any doesn't provide for his own, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. For you sisters, as you pray for someone to come in your life, I would just put that right in your prayer. Do they, do they provide for their own? Will they? I can remember, you know, De Debbie was raised a Catholic. And I'll never forget one of the first things that smote me and my blessed wife when we were dating and she had no knowledge whatsoever of Christianity like this. But you know, I thought, she'll provide for our children and our grandchildren. And all these other women out there that make all the flashes and fluffs will be there today, but where will they be tomorrow? So let's make an application to you sisters too. I'm, I'm, I'm tough because God's been tough on me this week. I'll just tell you. God's been really tough. I'm afraid sometimes we have pampered and, and uh, softened the messages so much that pretty soon they just don't strike anymore. But when the Holy Spirit smites me through the night, night after night, it's time to go. It's time to get up and bring it to you. If I hurt this week, you've got to hurt too a little bit. That's just where it is. Even Stephen... Fair enough? Okay. Let's go for it. The Word of God. Let's turn again. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is where you've been. Verse 6. Now let's go back to verse 4 because... Now let's start there to verse 3. You've been all through here. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Take the blows. Get up when it doesn't feel good. Go to work. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Don't let it trip you up. But you've got to be there. That he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier, or chosen him to be a soldier. Yet if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. In Jerusalem, strive lawfully. Don't move the lines. When those lines of integrity are moved, when the lines of compromise are moved, to get one more count, when the line of acceptance is moved, you're losing the ministry that needs to go out in Jerusalem. Stand for truth. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. That doesn't mean that everyone will speak well of you. But it means you did the best you could with what was before you regardless of the cost. The next verse, verse 6, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. You'll never have a message unless that message 
has deeply rang in your heart in Jerusalem. I'm calling you there tonight, men, because I know the world wants to call you away. You know, I've watched people say, well, I'm going to go on and get an education, and even the man tonight that caught us as he's coming down the pass into the valley, Yakima Valley had a degree. I'll get a degree. I'll, I'll miss the curse. You won't. You'll sweat on the tenth floor of a sky rise when you find out that, that that company is cutting jobs. But God's got you where He wants you, and He wants you to respond to Him in Jerusalem. I'm asking you tonight, will you go back with me to Jerusalem? Will you go back with every brother and sister here to Jerusalem? Regardless of what Jerusalem looks like, will you go? Here's Luke 16 and 10. It says, He that is faithful in least, I will make faithful in much. You know, Jerusalem looks kind of little sometimes. I think for the disciples, they, most of them would have known, well, this is where we live. But the Word of God says, He that's faithful in least. I look out here, here's a mechanic back here. Here's a carpenter back here. Here's a bricklayer back here. Here's a cement man back here. Here's a sprayer back here, another sprayer. Here's a fruit man over here. He that is faithful in little, I will make faithful in much. Don't believe anything else but that. God wants you to pour your hearts into Jerusalem with integrity, not being entangled with the affairs of this life, resisting the moral pull that will come when you get a little too close. But the Word of God says this, and you let the Holy Spirit interpret for all of you, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. Oh, I think of that, uh, that verse when, in Matthew 25 when they came before the Lord. Do you remember this? And the Lord says, I was hungry and you gave me no bread and I was thirsty and, and you gave me no drink and I was naked and you didn't clothe me and I was in prison you didn't visit me. And, but then there were some and, who did and they didn't know. A lot of your ministry that you really are involved in in Jerusalem, you probably won't see very much of it. I think there's something within my heart that just, you want to see results. God says no, because you'll rob the glory. But you know what the Word of God says in Matthew 25? It says, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. When you've done it in Jerusalem, when no one else saw it, when no one else wanted to do it, when no one else even cared, you did it unto me. Will you come back with me tonight to Jerusalem? Some of you will say, I've, I've been there a lot of time. I think the Bible speaks about it in the last days. It doesn't speak of this and you know, I'm talking to you, maybe getting more air miles than any of you in one year. I don't know. But you know what it does say? And I think of this when I stand in airports to go off to here or there. The Word of God says in the last days, many will run to and fro in knowledge 
will be increased. Am I willing to curb my travel for Jerusalem? Am I willing to curb my liberty for Jerusalem? Will you come back with me to Jerusalem tonight? You know, I think of a song, Jerusalem, my happy home. Jerusalem could be for many of you just going back home tonight. Tomorrow. You go back in there and you say, I'm walking right through those doors and I am going to purpose like I never have before to bless my parents. Jerusalem, for some of you tonight, could be I'm just going back and I left with the wrong attitude in the job. And I'm going to make it, make it up by the grace of God and the power of God and I'm going to do it right by His grace. Jerusalem can be a thousand things. I can't tell you what that is to you and me. But I can tell you the Holy Spirit is calling me back tonight and He has been. And I'm asking you if you're willing to go back with me to Jerusalem. You know, the Apostle Paul was one who... You remember how it was with him? It lingered on his heart. He'd go back to Jerusalem. I don't know whether something was so precious and sweet when the Holy Spirit came down there that he thought, when I get all done, I'm going back. And people said, Paul, don't go back to Jerusalem. I'll go. And he went. What happened to Paul in Jerusalem? Prison. What else happened to Paul in Jerusalem? He was forsaken. What else happened to Paul in Jerusalem? He died. Jerusalem called Paul back to where his heart was. I want, to get, I want you to turn with us over to Colossians chapter 3. We're coming to the end of this message tonight. Colossians, Paul, the Apostle, was one that had this, you know, he had this fervent desire that the Gospel was preached and spread. The Bible says, though, that he labored, I believe, one time at Corinth. Maybe you can correct this with me, brothers, but he labored even two years as a tent maker. He was going to stay there. It's still with me a little bit. Remember what Brother Roman said the other day? How long did he work? just so he could get enough to keep on going just recently. But the Apostle labored in this way. And there was something within this man's spiritual sense that he did not ever want to see the Gospel hindered by something within his hands or something within his grabbing or his clutching that would ever hinder the Gospel. The Bible says in verse 16, as Paul comes into the context of what one of the things that we want to leave with you tonight is it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I would encourage us that Jerusalem is still a joyful place to praise God. 
It's a place that the Holy Spirit is with us, but the Word of God is in our heart. Just like tonight, take these songs home and sing them. Sing and praise and lift up the name of the Lord. Well, have you ever been in Jerusalem and quit praising God? Everyone has. Jerusalem, for some of you here, just going back to that tough situation in your home church and pouring your heart into it no matter what the price. But the Word of God gives this condition of just letting the Word of Christ dwell in you, just inside you, richly. But I'd rather have a better Jerusalem. Have you ever been there? I wonder if there's anyone who hasn't been there a hundred times in this church. I doubt it. You know, if my Jerusalem was like her Jerusalem, or if our church, you fill in the blanks, they come to all of us, they're all flesh. The apostle here, he says, no, when you go back to Jerusalem tonight, you take the Word of God in your heart. It's came close these last few days. You've drank it. You've prayed it. You've partaken. Don't let it go when you go back to Jerusalem. Let the Word of God dwell. Crawl out of bed at the time God lays in your heart. If you're going to go to Jerusalem and be what God wants you to be in Jerusalem, you're not going to go to Jerusalem without a time of devotion with God before you go. You won't make it. Notice why, we're going to jump down, we look at wives and husbands and children and fathers, and that is all a part of Jerusalem. Some of you fathers, there may be a father out here tonight that the Holy Spirit's calling just to turn back tonight and love your wife like Christ loved the church. And another wife could be called out here tonight in Jerusalem saying, you know what your real calling is? You just submit to your husband and bless him and love him. And you young sisters, one of your Jerusalems, you know what it is? The Apostle said in Timothy, I will therefore the younger women marry. Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Watch the gossip. Get under the authority of your house. Jerusalem is going to look different to all of us. If God tarry, Jordan may go back to China. But Jordan, I will tell you by the Word of God, for you to be effective, He will plant your feet in Jerusalem in China. And you're going to feel it. Servants, verse 22, look at this with us tonight. No, I, You know, we jumped over verse 17. This is great stuff. And whatsoever you do in word or do, deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And saying, when you get up there and grab that shovel, young men, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you young women go over there and say, I'm going to help mom, and she said it's time just to sweep the floor again, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as you do it in Jerusalem, go back giving thanks. Be thankful. Servants. Who isn't tonight here? Raise your hand. Got, I said who? Yeah, you, you, I, I said it wrong. <laughs> you all raised your hand, but 
Who isn't a servant first here tonight? Raise your hand. I think it's easy to think, well, so-and-so, brother so-and-so back here, he's a pig farmer, he must not be a servant. No. If he doesn't bring that meat to market just right, he's done. Tomorrow morning, if one little thing happens on that railroad track, I will guarantee you I will be in Dallas, Texas, facing an authority that will have my knees trembling. You're not going to break it. Don't buy the lie of self-employment is without servanthood. You may be called to many more, be a calling in many other ways to servanthood. The Word of God says servants. Okay, we're all there tonight. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. We're now in Jerusalem. He tells you to do something that doesn't seem right. He's out to lunch. If he would have saw what I would have saw, he wouldn't be telling me to do this. The Word of God says, Obey your master in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. Don't say what sounds good to him, but turn around and do it this way later. Get real with God. Go back out in that job and do it hardly, connecting to God. But in singleness of heart, notice this, fearing God. Go back in that job tomorrow or next week, wherever God calls you, wherever your Jerusalem is, do it in the fear of God. I don't know how many times in those early stages of my life I would look at a little teeny lot and I'd drive the old 47 Willys and had four gears and I would think, you know what? This is God's lot. This is God's lot. This is God's lot. It is God's lot. It's God's job. It's God's ministry. It's God's Word. It's His life. Notice what it says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We've been guilty. Make it look good. Say the right words. Shine the outside, but it's okay over here. The Bible says you do it to God. When you go back to Jerusalem, you say, God, by Your grace, Give me the power to do it to God. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. See, if any of you ever come to work for me, you're really not working for me. You're working for God. I'm just under Him too. And I'm accountable to Him too. I'll tell you, there's another verse. We're in, we're in the book of James back home right now. And that first verse is just speaking to my heart and I'm feeling it every day and week. And I'll challenge you men here too tonight. It says, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing you'll receive the greater condemnation. You will take the blows. You'll answer to God. Be a servant. Back to Jerusalem. But you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I guess it's only fair to address this here tonight. You can't do any of this without the Lord Jesus leading you. You can't do it. And I want to make a call here tonight for anyone who has not given their heart to Christ that you do not let the night go, go down before you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. 
The Word of God says it so clearly. You can't do it. You can't make it back at Jerusalem. You don't have enough strength. Some of you guys got a lot more energy than I have. I have. But you don't got enough strength. You can't do it. You can't make it. Some of you are going back to big changes. I know that. I thought about you in this study. Some of you are going back to new jobs. Some of you are going back to big changes. But the Word of God says, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You'll get the, work, the power then. And I believe tonight is a time again to say, God, bring the Holy Ghost down in the sanctuary, in our lives, so we can go back to Jerusalem because we can't without it. You know, there's something about verbalizing that before God. There's something about surrendering again and again and again to God. There's something about acknowledging we can't do it. We do not have a plan. We can't make it. You go back to Jerusalem. The Bible says you do it heartily as unto the Lord. Be a blessing where you are. Be a refreshment. Be a refreshment for the kingdom of God. Let the work be a refreshment. I was thinking about a brother I used to work with when I wasn't converted, and he was in Brother Leslie's church at that time in California, and there was one fellow who was doing a thesis on our church, and he was grumbling every day, and I just kept watching old Brother Fred and how he was going to respond to this guy that grumbled. His name was Bill, and he was a Quaker, and he'd grumble about the weather, and he'd grumble about the hard dirt, and we were just in tough, hard things. And one day I looked at old Fred, and Fred got a twinkle in his eye, and Fred looked at Bill, and Bill says, Why, this dirt is so hard, and my shovel's so hot, and it's so hot out, I don't know what to do. And Fred says, Well, why don't you just take that hot shovel and just stick it down in that nice, cool dirt and cool it off? <laughs> you can be a refreshment. I want to encourage you when you go home to purpose to be a refreshment. Whatever home is. Some of you are going back to Sonora. Some of you are going to California. Some of you are staying right here. God's taking you back to Jerusalem. You won't all stay in Jerusalem. That's not God's plan. But I want to encourage you that Jerusalem is the place that God can use you mightily right now. He can use you strongly. He can make men of God out of you. That's what you need. Sometimes there's nothing wrong at all with a young man just working good and hard and being so tired day after day and getting his paycheck and there's nothing left. You know, my first boss forgot to give me a raise for a year and a half. I was making two and a quarter an hour and one day he called me in and says, you know, did I ever give you a raise? And I said, no, I knew it. He didn't. But you know, that was good for me. Some of you aren't going to have a dad to help you. Just Here it is. I didn't either, but I did have one. His name was God. I want to encourage you there too because bitterness can set in like a canker. I fought that as a young man. Why does other people get opportunities and I don't? I go back to Jerusalem. My father, first time I ever drove a new truck into a place, my dad says, if you go broke, you're on your own with that. Ten years after we got started... But you know what? You give your heart at Jerusalem the best you can. Just do it. Let God have you tonight.
I'm not speaking just to you young men, but you know what? If these sisters, and you will not be with all these sisters, but if they see you giving your heart, they'll give their heart. They will. But they're looking for examples. They're looking for men of God. Men that are willing to go back to Jerusalem and pour their heart out and their life out. I encourage you to go back and polish the floors. Think about that. I want you to think about Sister Lee. You probably won't go to prison like that. But you can polish the floors. What does polishing the floors mean where you are right now? In your home? On your job? What does polishing the floors mean? Maybe it means the last person to clean up the last thing because the job is over. Many of you are going back to changes, you know that, but I want to encourage you, it's more than going back to changes. I want to encourage us tonight to let God change us. I don't care how hard it's came, and there's probably a few times a few of you thought, well, why don't he just calm down a little bit? We can get the message without all that. But I just want to encourage you to let God change you. He wants to. It might be for some of us older men here, he might say, uh, go crawl in that spray truck again, John, a little bit more. The Word of God says, uh, you'll be witnesses. And that's what's interesting. You know, we can kind of pick our place for a while, but it won't be unto Jesus. We can, we can pick our spot. We've all wanted to do that. It would be nice to pick the spot. We've all been there. It would be nice. Well, why, why? We've tried. We've all tried to choose a spot or two. And, and the Lord says, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Go back. Go home. Get on the job. Get in the home. If you're going to school, go to school. Polish those floors. You know, the marvel of Jerusalem is that, uh, have you ever, has it ever struck you how that the Lord Jesus came to Jerusalem to give His life that you can go back to Jerusalem? But more than that, not only as He gave His life, He came to give His life as a ransom for many at Jerusalem, He came to come into your home. If Jesus would not have went back to Jerusalem, we would not be here tonight. And I say that not just collectively in the country of of Israel. I I say you're only here tonight because the Lord Jesus Christ cared enough to enter these sad, pathetic, broken down homes. And because He did, You've got the privilege to make the choice. It's here tonight. And you can walk away, and I will guarantee you I can walk out those doors and justify myself to almost every one of you in time. But I ask you if I can before God. And I ask you to ask God if you can justify yourself. Matter of fact, the Word of God says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. 
And I want to encourage you there. Every one of us. I want you to think of that woman. You know what happened? Remember that. That dear sister Lee, she's polished the floors. She scattered a little seed. She chose a discipline that sounded impossible, and God gave her the strength to do it. And if God can give her the strength to do it, He can give you the strength to go back to Jerusalem tonight and be what God wants you to be. And may God give, give you that strength. May He just lift you up. And I'll tell you, you'll be a nourisher, you'll be a strengthener, you'll be an encourager, and you will bless wherever you go. And you know what else happens? The walls start going back up again. And the gates get repaired. And the city becomes a place of worship and blessing and glory and honor to God. So let's go back together. And I want to ask you, if you'll go back to Jerusalem with me. And I'm going to go a little further with that. I'm going to ask everyone here to close your eyes. And if you'll go back to Jerusalem tonight with me, and no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands and say a prayer to God. God has heard. And I pray that every person here can go back. And whatever that looks like, oh God, whatever you want of us, that you'll take us and just strengthen us. That the word can grow from Jerusalem to Judea and again to Samaria. And it can keep going to the uttermost parts of the earth until you come again. Father, I just want to thank you for having patience with me and all of us together as we have stumbled around Jerusalem. And Father, tonight, may you give us the grace to go back in whatever way you call us. For your sake, Lord, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open your hymnal to 829. Where he leads, I will follow. Number 829. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word, dearer far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where He leads, I'll follow. Will you join us? You want to start that, please? Sweet are the promises, kind is the word.
may be seated. The question that Brother John asked by the Spirit tonight is, Will you? Who is that? Will you? That is me. Go back to Jerusalem. What was the Jerusalem that the Lord showed you tonight? Was it Haiti? Was it Washington? Was it California? Indiana? Ohio? Idaho? Or Alaska? Where is the Jerusalem that you are being called back to tonight? Will you go back to Jerusalem with me, who is me? It's the Lord Jesus. Where He leads, you said, I will follow. Easy to sing. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be 30 or 31 young men and women get in an automobile, get on an airplane that's gone through a week like you probably never understand. Some of these men have jumped from the tallest cliff and plunged into the deepest ocean. And some of these young sisters have stretched in ways that's probably beyond my imagination. And the spirit that has brooded over this place, that has stretched them and pulled them and made them men and women, that will never be the same, is going to take them to where the rubber meets the road. And that's been Jerusalem tonight with me, with Jesus. Now, I want to say something. If you've got your Bibles open there to the book of Acts, John didn't tell us what they did. He told us about the question. You know what the people did? They did the same thing that a lot of us want to do. They did the same thing that somebody may be doing yet in this building tonight. They did the same thing that some of you were doing before you came. And they did the same thing that somebody might still be doing tonight. The Bible says that they stood there gazing up into heaven. They just stood there. And the angel finally came and said, Could I ask you a question? Why stand ye gazing? Have you found yourself tonight just gazing? Like, my, that was a wonderful message. My, John sure must be stretched pretty thin. My, the Spirit must really be brooding over him. But what about me? 
Are you just gazing? Ready to be done with gazing? 368. We're going to shift. We're ready to be done with gazing and go back to Jerusalem. 368 says that if Jerusalem would be for me like it was for Jesus, I need to be ready to suffer. Imagine one day in the courts of glory when when around that great magnificent throne and all the angels crying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty and the four and twenty elders are before the throne and, and all this splendor and sea of glass and the spirits of God and And the Father tells the Son, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Ready to suffer. Am I ready to suffer? Ready to suffer at Jerusalem. Ready to suffer grief or pain. Ready to stand the test. Ready to stay at home and send others if He sees best. Ready to go? Ready to stay? Ready my place to fill? Now, in a little bit, we're going to sing this song. And don't sing this if it is not your sincere heart. In fact, I'm going to teach you something that we all learned this week. I'd like for you If you choose to do this, I'd like for you to take your hand and put your finger at the place in your hand or under your hand where you think one of the nails would have gone through Jesus' hand. Go ahead and do it. If you want to to just identify with His suffering, this is something we learned this week. Take, Take one hand, take your finger, and you just rub it where you think the nail may have gone through Jesus' hand or under his, in His wrist or wherever. Brother Leslie said not a bone of His was broken, so it's a pretty intricate thing. Now, have you got your finger there on that place? I want you to raise your hands. I want you to raise them up high. And you just think about that. With your hands raised up, that's just a little picture of the sun what He suffered in Jerusalem. When He went to Jerusalem, He raised up His hands for everyone in this building so that we could be saved, so that we could serve, so that we could go back to the Jerusalem that we are called to go back to and identify with Him and be ready to suffer. How long do you think you could hold your hands like that? Pretty soon we'd get tired, wouldn't we? The Savior held His hands on the cross with a nail through both hands until He gave up the ghost. Let me put your hands down. So we're going to sing. Thank you, Leslie, for that lesson. We're going to sing Ready to Suffer. Ready to Suffer. And we're going to sing one verse... And we're going to stop. So let's sing the first verse. Ready to suffer. Ready to suffer. 
Now, before we sing the second verse, it says, ready to go. I wouldn't sing that if that's not true. Ready to go. Ready to bear. He said, well, I don't know whether I could do it. And I think that's what the message was tonight. We can't do it. But who He calls, He equips. The Holy Spirit brooding in this camp tonight would never call a man or a woman to a place that He would not empower you to go. That's how we can sing it. Because in our own flesh, we can't do it. Ready to go. Now I want to tell you, as we begin singing, I'm going to ask you to stand before we sing this. Stand, please. And I'm going to ask us to start singing in verse 2. And if there's any of you here tonight that the Jerusalem that you're going back to it looks big to you. Or maybe you've just found yourself tonight gazing. Or maybe as the congregation is singing ready to go, you just would like some extra prayer. I'm going to invite you when the song begins, if you want prayer, you just come right on up here and you get down and, and we'll have a time of prayer. And the rest of us are going to sing this song out. So let the Spirit speak to your heart tonight if, you, if you're struggling with a Jerusalem. If you've been putting off a Jerusalem. If you just want extra strength to go back to a Jerusalem. If this week you've come here and you've taken big plunges and God's done more than you expected that He could ever do in your heart. And He has done a work in your heart that you can never be quiet about. And you've got a message to go back to Jerusalem and you want more anointing for that, you just come right on up. We're going to sing, Ready to Go. Ready to go, Lord. Ready to bear. Ready to do. Before we sing the next verse, I want us to sing it very softly. And as we sing through here, ready to speak, ready to think, ready with heart and brain, I'm asking, let's sing this very softly. Ask yourself, are you ready? If you don't feel ready, but you feel called, you come on up here and pray with these souls. Verse 3, ready to speak. Ready to speak, ready to think, ready to do God's will. When we say ready to speak and ready to warn, you're being commissioned. You that are up here for prayer, you let these words as the congregation sings settle over you and commission you to speak commission you to warn, commission you to yearn over souls, commission you to be ready the rest of your life, commission you to be ready in death, commission you to be ready for His return.
ready to go, ready to stay, ready my place to fill. Let's sing. Ready to speak. Let's sing a couple verses of 371. Have thine own way. Anybody still struggling? Still letting the Lord have His own way? Sing it as a prayer for these souls up here praying. 371, have thine own way. I'm going to ask the rest of the congregation to kneel on your knees for prayer. And um, I want you to hum the last verse of have thine own way. Just hum your way through that last verse as you're on your knees in prayer. And then some of us brothers are going to pray over these Worshippers. When they're done humming, then we'll pray. Start humming, just humming through. Will you go back with me to Jerusalem? <laughs>